that B2B customer is saying uh, a, a, a element that I'm looking for, and they're going to be doing the same kind of search and they want the same kind of customized, personalized delivery in order to grow their own value. So it's, it all becomes that, that, that value question. Data is a key part of it, but it's not just data. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. This is your host, Jeff Tun. I read a blog post the other day that really caught my attention. As frequent listeners know, like many of you, I have dedicated my career to the transformative power that technology can have on a business. Also like you, we know that transformation really has very little to do about technology and everything to do with people. Digital transformation is why we started Status Go in the first place. We want to provide you with the insights and the tools, the skills, to drive change in your organization. But back to the blog post. What caught my attention was the title, Changing Our Patterns of Thought. What held my attention was the first paragraph. Many organizations have been disappointed that their digital transformation projects did not provide the major impact they expected. Big promises were made when the projects were authorized, but the results are far short of the promise. In most cases, the reason for the miss is not the digital part of the project, it is the transformation. Yes, digital transformation is about people, more specifically, the mindset of people. I could not wait to talk to the author. Today's guest is Ray Sheen, and Ray is the author of the post. Ray is the president and founder of Product and Process Innovation. He's the author of Guide to Building Your Business Case, and he is a fellow at the Institute for Digital Transformation. Welcome to Status Go, Ray. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Well, you and I have known each other now for a couple of years through the Institute, and I think this is the first time we really had a one-on-one -on -one conversation as we were preparing for this. So I'm really looking forward to digging into this today because I know you've got some great insights that our listeners will appreciate. Looking forward to it also. Ray, before we geek out on digital transformation and, of course, mindset, would you share your journey with our listeners? What led you to the work that you are doing today? Sure. I, I started off many years ago. I, I've got a couple engineering degrees. Started in the Air Force. I was a pilot for a while and then started doing development work in the Air Force, developing weapon systems, bringing those um, through R&D labs and, and into development, into production. I left the Air Force and joined the General Electric Company, where, again, I was developing new products, new processes, new systems, worked through several GE businesses, and decided finally to step out on my own and create a consulting practice in the area of technology deployment, uh, process improvement, being able to, to take a business and move it to the next level. Did that for a number of years, both teaching and consulting. And then about six or seven years ago, I realized that my skill set was getting a little stale. So I went back to school, went to Boston University for mini masters in the area of digital transformation, digital leadership and strategy. 
And since then, I've been doing consulting and teaching now in the area of digital transformation. Most of the time, I'm working at a strategy level, at a business ops level, at a uh, rethink your business, rethink your processes. Occasionally, I dig down to the bits and bytes, but usually I'm uh, up at uh, more of the strategic level. So it, it was intriguing to me that you you came to the realization that you felt like your your skills were stale or you were missing some skills. What what were you thinking that you were missing? What what led you in that direction? Just curious. Sure, I um I had experience doing software coding, software development, uh, systems development, so I was familiar with systems. But I was realizing that this digital transformation stuff was a lot more than just taking a manual process and automating it. And I really needed to step back and, and understand what did this mean? I was looking at, at companies that were digital natives or, or some of the digital giants mm-hmm. and thinking they operate very differently. And it's not what I'm used to. It's not what I've been doing for the last 30 or 40 years. So I said, uh, I need to transform myself. I stepped back, <laughs> spent some time to get myself upgraded to where I would have the new mindset. It is a mindset change, a very different mindset. And that going back to school helped me to, to recalibrate my mindset, put me on a different trajectory. I, I think that's great. That It's uh, great self-awareness to be able to look around and say, hey, I've got some gaps that I need to fill. Um, and uh, in a way, as we begin to talk about your blog post, uh, I think there's a lot of similarities to your journey and some of the journey that uh, businesses are going through. So let's do talk about that blog post. Okay. Uh, if if digital isn't the reason for all these project misses or initiative misses, what is the reason? Well, let's first be clear. Many of these misses are not that they didn't finish the project close to on time, close to on budget. So it's not a project management miss. Mm -hmm. Rather, it's a business miss. It's a project impact miss. And that's because a lot of these have been focused at the IT level, the digital level. And as, as I said, they took a manual process and they automated it, but they're still doing the same thing. They Mm -hmm. didn't change what the business is doing. One of the examples I used in that blog post you mentioned is uh, the example of a railroad. Uh, you can digitize your railroad in terms of uh, I'll put uh, some digital controllers on the locomotive and make a more powerful locomotive and I'll put digital trackers on the cars and I'll make a, I'll know exactly where my cars are at any time. But you're still stuck on the same rails and you're still mm-hmm. going wherever that track is going or more importantly, not going where the tracks don't lead. And so when you step back and really ask yourself, what make what will make a digital transformation successful? We often need to reinvent the business. We need to to ask, how is this business, where's the value in this business going to be? It's been in the past with all of our capital and capital assets and infrastructure. Well, now the value of the business is the information, the data, the knowledge that we put in the hands of our customers, of of others in our ecosystem. It's that, that data and knowledge is where the value is. And that's a very different kind of operation than one where you're looking at saying, who's got the biggest building, who has the most production lines. I love the way you describe the the old way of business or the prior way of business, uh, because it's what a lot of us dedicated our careers to uh, in IT is driving out variation, 
driving out change, repetitive motion, right? Automating so that it it didn't go wrong. Uh, And so how, how do you begin to break out of that? Well, to your point, the two most popular business improvement initiatives of the last 20 years have been Lean and Six Sigma. And in both Mm -hmm. of those cases, what they were doing was trying to eliminate variation, eliminate the waste of the current way of doing things, and make that current way of doing things go perfectly every time. And as you said, eliminate change. Do the exact same thing. Do it very well, but do the same thing every time. And in the area of the the arena of digital transformation, change is now the day-to-day part of our business. Everything changes. Each customer wants their own unique product offering, service offering. Mm -hmm. We hear the term mass customization. It means that every single time a product is made, a service is delivered, it's unique for that customer. It focuses on that customer. Uh, As we react to the situation, technology is changing rapidly. Uh, And with that change of technology, we don't want to stabilize around just one technology. We want to be able to quickly adapt, to quickly take advantage of something new. And that means we have to embrace change. We don't try to eliminate change. Instead, we embrace it. We, We thrive on change. And that means for a very different way of operating your business, looking at breaking it down into different parts that I can continually reconfigure. So it's, it's, it is a different mindset. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing that, that I really thought was surprising, uh, surprising is probably not the right word. Anyway, I, what I want to do is I want to get some lottery numbers from you. And, and here's why, Ray, because uh, whether you realize it or not, you, you made a prediction in your, uh, in your blog post. You talked about uh, uh, albums that were replaced by cassette tapes, replaced by the iPod. Uh, and then replaced by smartphones. And lo and behold, within a couple of weeks after writing that blog post, Apple announces the iPod is dead. So Right, right. So you're either really, really good at predicting the future or someone at Apple is reading your blog post. I, I think it's probably the latter because I'm not good at predicting the future. <laughs> uh, don't, don't look to me for any, uh, any stock tips. Don't look to me for uh, for uh, and and forget the lottery ticket stuff. You're not even going to find me in that line. So forget <laughs> it. Well, let's talk a little bit. Uh, we, we've talked about these these older companies that need this new mindset. Um, you also talk in the post about digital native companies. Right. Describe what you mean by those and how they look at things differently, perhaps. It, it comes down to where's the, the core value of the company. The older companies, the way I was brought up uh, in business, my guess is the way you were brought up in business, it was all about asset utilization. Get the assets, make the most of them, productive assets. I want to have my equipment running 24-7 if I can. I want to take the best advantage I have of whatever physical assets, capital assets that I have. Mm-hmm. In this new digitally transformed era, the asset that's of most value is data, information. And, and the interesting thing about data is I can give you the data and yet I still have it. Whereas with an asset, if I give you a product, now you have the product and I don't. But when I give you data, I have the data and you have the data. We both still have it. We're sharing that information and we're able to together make better decisions. So now mm-hmm. when we look at the digital native, the digital native is not tied to 
one facility, one product, one, one uh, capital system. They are instead looking at data and how do I get data wherever it needs to be? How do I use the data to make things work better for other companies? How do we jointly use that data? How do I share that data? And it, it just it makes a, a, a totally different way of looking at how you're uh, where you're creating value in the value chain. And that's where those digital natives, they, they're thinking that way from the beginning. Whereas those of us who are kind of the dinosaur companies, we have to change our mindset. You know, the, the world's changing around us and we have to change or become extinct. And you you talk you you talk about this new way of thinking that the digital natives are looking at it differently already, and we in the in the older companies, the those that have been around for a while, need to change. What's what is the new way of thinking we need to start adopting? Well, one of them is that again, data is where the value is, and being able to move data, get information out really helps to, to, to make any market run better, any aspect of business run better. And, you know, when we think of, when I, you say a digital native, we often think, oh, it's a couple of kids in the basement of their parents' <laughs> house and starting a little company. Yes, that's one. But, you know, there's another native or at least essentially digital native out there that, that's fairly big. It's a company you may have heard of called Amazon. Um, yeah. And they are, what have they done? They have taken their digital information in particular, their ability to match what a customer wants with a, a marketplace, uh, a system. And so they've got this digital marketplace and they, yeah, they started selling books, but they said, yeah, you know, we've sold books, but we could sell clothes. We could sell food. We could sell cars. We can sell houses. We can sell anything. And we're no longer locked in that paradigm of, oh, well, I'm in the book business, so I can't do any of the rest of that. I'm in the shoe business. I don't do No, you're in the information business. In their case, it's the information of how do I make products available to customers and how do I actually tailor that experience so that the customer can quickly find whatever they want, they can get it and have it delivered to them tomorrow. So it's, it's that find it and then deliver it. And, and that's what their emphasis has been. It's mm -hmm. all in that, that transactional element the product is irrelevant almost to them. It's, that's a different mindset. The, it's the information that's, that's, that's key and that's driving their success. So is it the same thing as becoming a data-driven organization or, or is digital transformation, this new way of thinking that you're talking about, are those two different things? It's data-driven is an element of it, but you can be a data-driven organization and still be in the industrial age. You're just using, I mean, I can put SPC charts on every one of my production floor. That's lots of data, but I'm still doing the same thing. What we're talking about is looking at where's your value. The value proposition, the value equation is no longer just about the thing. The thing is a piece of it. What we're producing, that's a piece of it. But the value is meeting that customer's need in an experience. And that experience involves not just the product, but involves the, the entire package of, of how it's presented, how it's delivered, how it's supported. And in all of that, is the customer getting exactly what they want? Are they getting what they need? This means that that data that we're working with needs to be right there at the front line. So the, the person interacting with the customer is able to quickly react to whatever is required, whatever is needed, and they have the ability to deliver on that. That's going to be where the value is. The value now is at the edges with the interaction with customers. And by the way, this goes equally with B2B customers as it does with B2C. Don't just think, oh, this is only a B2C stuff. 
B2B, you're doing the exact same thing. That B2B customer is saying, okay, where do I find the raw material? Where do I find the particular service? Where do I find that particular uh, uh, element that I'm looking for? And they're going to be doing the same kind of search and they want the same kind of customized, personalized Mm -hmm. delivery in order to grow their own value. So it all becomes then that, that value question. Data is a key part of it, but it's not just data. So going back to your your railroad analogy, uh, a railroad could be a data-driven organization, right? But but they haven't necessarily transformed. It, it really leads you to a different kind of question to ask, right? The, these there's new questions that are involved in really changing that mindset, right? The the question you start off asking is. What is, what is the value I want to bring to the customers that I want to serve? Mm-hmm. Now, a railroad may say the value I want to bring is I'm going to deliver freight to the people who are on my track, on my spur. Uh, and that's fine. In that case, you're going to be a railroad and you'll be a very good railroad. But that also means you very narrowly defined your customers and mm-hmm. you very narrowly defined your service. If instead you step back and say, I want to be able to bring freight, passengers, anything to these communities. Well, now that opens up to, it's not just the the rail system, but what are the other ways of delivering freight? Or maybe I want to be a logistics company that can deliver anything anywhere to anybody in the world. you, You have to ask yourself that question. And then once you have that answer and you've determined that, now you have to start looking, how do I align my processes, my systems, my infrastructure? And yes, there can be physical infrastructure. Capital assets are not extinct. It's just that the capital asset is now not the focus of our business. The capital right. asset is just an implementer, an enabler of where we're truly going to provide value. And that's going to be how we meet that, that customer value proposition. And, and how do ecosystems play into this? I've heard you talk about ecosystems before, right? Ecosystem, and, and there's, there's several uh, definitions out there, and I'm not going to try to, to parse the different definitions. I'll just give you mine. An ecosystem is a group of customers, organizations, uh, could be government entities, a variety of of organizations and individuals who work together to provide value in some aspect of culture society. So that ecosystem would include uh, your supplier base, Mm -hmm. could include your distribution channels, but it would also include the government regulators that you might have to work with in your industry. It could also include the community that you're involved with in terms of where you have people, where you you have uh, your employees live uh, or other um, um, uh, community aspects. If you're you're, uh, in the community, are you a good community player? Are you providing Mm -hmm. support and encouragement to the the infrastructure of that community, whether we're talking the the paying your taxes, but also just participating in the Little League, uh, whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and so the ecosystem is broader now than just that transactional buy-sell. It's looking at the, it, it really is the term system. Buy-sell is a very linear transactional. I'm the seller, you're the buyer. We take care of, you, you get the good, I get the money. We're both happy, we go away. But in an ecosystem, we're looking at the secondary, tertiary, how do all those fit together so that everybody is getting the value, 
that they want, that they uh, would like to see out of this. And we see the, you know, that old phrase that, that all boats rise when the tide comes in. Well, the ecosystem yep. is trying to bring the tide in for everybody. And it's not a win-lose. It is very much a win-win with everybody and understanding what is a win for each of the different players in that system. I, I love that because that leads to more collaboration with people that are in that system uh, and and helps you with that mindset pivot because you're you're among other uh, people that are thinking in that same way. That's got to help the creativity and the collaboration. It, it does, but but also recognize they're also on their journey. And so one yeah. of the challenges in the ecosystem is that often different people are at different levels of that transformation. And so you'll still have some people who just want to do buy, sell. I just want to sell yeah. you my product and I'm happy with that. And that's all the more I want to do. There's others are going to look at that and saying, you know, we can turn this into something bigger, better. We can really have a huge impact uh, in our market, in our society, but not everybody's going to be there. So collaborate. Yes. But also recognize some people are going to be happy with just carving out their little niche and, and being comfortable in that little niche. And I, I would imagine that as the, as a player in that ecosystem, in that space, knowing where your different partners are uh, can, can help you, right? Absolutely. Because it, if someone is purely transactional and that's what they want to be, that's okay. But if you know that, you can, you can deal with that. Exactly. You know what to expect from them. They know what to expect from you. And that's, yeah. again, part of all that, that data, that information. We're not, we're not hiding things from each other. Instead, we're expo- explaining and exposing. This is where we are. This is what we're doing. This is what's valuable for us. And frankly, the rest of the stuff isn't. So that's yeah. okay. I, I love the concept of we have to change the questions. I want to shift gears just a little bit to another topic that you and I have talked about. Uh, and, and that's ESG. Mm-hmm. Uh, environmental, sustainability, governance. Uh, how is that driving digital transformation? Well, it's interesting that you said that um, because you said environmental sustainability governance and sustainability is actually not part of ESG formally. It's actually environmental social. Sure, social. Yep. But what's interesting is that a lot of companies say, well, if I'm sustainable, I'll meet my ESG. So those are being used somewhat complementary. The, um, but let's just talk about those for a second. And, and their interaction with, uh, with digital. So environmental is very much around what is the environmental footprint that I have? And, and that goes back to the capital assets. Your environmental footprint is going to be driven by the capital assets you have. It's going to, do, it's going to consume energy. It's going to use materials. It's going to create waste streams. All of those are in your capital assets. And if I go more virtual, if I virtualize my business, if I digitize my business, I often can dramatically shrink my capital footprint. And in doing that, that minimizes my impact on the environment. Um, I, and uh, I don't want to d- sit here and debate all the elements of environmental, but I, I would say that everyone can agree that we don't want to pollute the environment. We don't want to damage the environment. How we benefit the environment is an area that we could debate. But the bottom line is we all want to be at least good environmental uh, players. We don't want to cause problems. We want to, if anything, eliminate problems or at least solve problems. And so if I can digitize my operation in a way to become a, a, a digitally transformed organization, I often reduce my environmental element. The other piece on that is the, uh, with the um, 
with the data and the information I'm gathering, I can many times see where do I have a leakage in my system that's creating some kind of a waste stream, that's mm-hmm. creating some kind of a, an environmental problem, and I can find it and fix it when it's small. You're not going to eliminate all problems, but at least when I find them and fix them, I can become proactive in that resolution. So that's on the environmental side. The social side is a really interesting one, and, and one of the reasons in particular why that's so interesting is right now the definition of social is all over the map. <laughs> There's a the, di, Everybody seems to have a different, different definition of what is a good social partner, a good social uh, actor. There, there's some things that, that we all agree on, but there's lots of shades of gray. And yeah. so being able to, once again, capture my information and be able to quickly pivot and change. Remember, that's one of the things we said with digital transformation is being able to change. If I can quickly pivot and change, I can react to what's happening in the environment, uh, in, in the society, and I can be a good social partner. The last mm-hmm. point there, governance, that just means I'm providing that information out in a public forum. In fact, that's one of the things about ESG. Uh, major corporations are now required to provide a, an annual ESG report. That's going to be based on data. That's going to make it transparent. Of course, that's, again, part of what we see in digital transformation is transparent data, making mm-hmm. that out there. But that's both going to create some advantages and some disadvantages. That's going to expose some companies who don't have a good track record. Uh, and, uh, you know, you may have heard the term greenwashing, for instance. Right. It's going to expose right. some of that. Uh, that's going to be a problem for those companies. For those companies who are really trying hard and doing a good job and being a good actor in the community, a good actor in the environment, uh, that that's going to show up in their ESG reports. And that's all part of the governance element. So what does that have to do with sustainability? Well, one of the things it comes down to is sustainability is not just that my uh, I, I repaired the roof on my building, but mm-hmm. sustainability is can my business keep operating and keep thriving as things are changing? And remember, we said in digital transformation, it's all about change. I need to embrace digital transformation to be sustainable or I'm going to be a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And in, in the 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 reporting requirements you were talking about is the uh, the SEC ruling that you and I that right. you and I spoke about, and uh, I think there's some concerns with that that ruling and its lack of definition. But where do you see that ruling driving digital transformation? Um, I see it driving digital transformation in several ways. One is in order to do the report, you've got to collect data you've got to actually start collecting data that you maybe were never collecting before. You're going to have to ask the questions and get the information in order to complete the report. Mm -hmm. So right there, that means I'm going to have to look at digitizing more of my business processes, uh, digitalizing the way we think about things. Second thing it's going to do is it's going to uh, expose some areas of my business where I'm saying, there's a huge risk here. I've got a big environmental exposure or I've got some social issues I need to deal with. And when it comes time to change, we're going to make that change often in a way that is a digitally enabled change. We're going to use digital, digital transformation to help us do uh, reinvent that portion of our business and to address those issues. Uh, You don't want to invent the business going backwards. You want to invent the business going forward. forward. And, And digital transformation is going to help us go forward in a good direction. It, to me, it's it's just kind of interesting how things like that tie together and and start bringing together these various elements and then uh, 
pushing the business forward, whether it's because of the SEC ruling or it's because of your, your customers have changed, whether you're B2C or B2B. I, I, I think that's part of what interests me most about the, the digital transformation space is because companies come at it in different directions. And, and I know that in your practice there, in, you're in South Carolina, right, Ray? That's where you're That's based right. out of. Uh, and I know you work with clients uh, all over the country. But when you think about some of your client base, what are some of the surprises that you've seen uh, within those industries that you work with? Okay. Um, first, I just want to do a quick follow-up on what you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, is uh, again, when we're thinking that ESG, we use the term ecosystem. Well, uh, ESG and ecosystem, that really helps us say, if I've got a good ESG report, it means I'm working well with my entire ecosystem. Ah. And I'm going to be looking at it. And that, that again, that's going to reinforce that idea. But so now to your, your comment about different, um, different industries. <clears throat> I am working with a variety of industries. Some of the industries are moving forward reasonably well, reasonably fast. And, and one of the industries I do a lot of work with is aerospace. Uh, and that's generally embracing digital transformation. But there's two industries that to me are surprises. And mm -hmm. I just want to highlight those because they're surprises at the opposite extremes of digital transformation. Uh, first, the good news story, and that's agriculture. And, you know, we, we yeah. think of agriculture, we think, oh, there's a guy there in the, the bib overalls and the, the old <laughs> floppy hat and, you know, mm -hmm. chewing on a straw, not really being aware of what's happening. Agriculture is one of the most digitally advanced industries in our country. Um, they, they are using data, using it very well, and not just using data well, to, to data about the, their fields, data about the, uh, the weather, data about uh, the, the crops and the yield and everything. They're also embracing lots of other digital technology. They're leaders in the area of autonomous vehicles, for instance. You know, we're sitting here going, well, maybe someday we'll see a driverless car. There's already driverless tractors out there on the fields all over the place. They're yeah. using drone technology. Analytics are, are, are everywhere as they're measuring and monitoring uh, robotics. I've got uh, a, a friend of mine uh, has a, a farm, a dairy farm up in uh, the Midwest, and their entire milking operation is all automated, all robotics. They don't have wow. people anywhere in the barn. And it's being managed on an app that his 16-year-old son is keeping track of at school. So <laughs> he's got an app on his phone and he keeps track of it. If there's a problem, he calls dad and says, by the way, dad, there's a problem. You need to go check on that. But he's tracking it on his app in school. His dad's out there in the fields making sure that, that everything else is happening. But the cows, they're getting milked on a regular basis. That's excellent. I and, love and, that. It's all that they, they've embraced that idea of digital transformation and they're using it. They're still delivering milk. They're still delivering vegetables. They're still you know, delivering all of the various um, uh, agricultural products that we're used to. But they've used the digital technology tr to tremendously improve their productivity. And now we flip yeah. it around to the, an industry. The only major industry I know of here in America that has seen a steady decline in productivity over the last 25 years. You know, we're not just talking a one-year dip. We're talking 25 mm -hmm. years in a row that the pro productivity is getting worse. And that's the construction industry. The construction mm. industry, productivity is less. It's worse than what it was 25 years ago. And they have not embraced digital technology. You, know, you may find a few of the suppliers trying to do some things here and there. But on a construction site, 
um, you, you're still, it's, it's the, the hammers, the nails, the, the saws, that's still going on. The last, on many construction sites, the last innovation they had was the nail gun. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and that yeah. was a long time ago. Yeah. And, and they're just, they haven't embraced it. And so we're seeing a decline in productivity. And of course, now, just because of the supply chain issues, construction is having even more problems. But uh, when, mm-hmm. when you think of a smart house or smart building, all that stuff gets added in after the fact. That's retrofitted in. It's not being built into the building right at the, at the skeleton level of the building. It's something that gets tacked on afterwards, throw, throw some conduits and some sensors on it, and then measure it. So that's an industry that has not embraced it, and we're seeing it going in the wrong direction. House prices are going higher. Productivity is getting worse. Uh, we're having all kinds of problems in that industry. Just two very different approaches uh, to digital transformation. I love that contrast uh, between agriculture and construction that really uh, points out, and you're, and you're right, it may be one of the only industries, because uh, I, as you were saying that, I was trying to think if I could think of another one, and I, I really can't. Well, well, Ray, we are almost out of time, and, and as you know, uh, status go, uh, action is kind of in our name. Right. Uh, so would really like to leave our listeners with uh, a strong call to action. What are one or two things our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation today? Of course, on the one hand, we could say, go have a strategic planning session and reinvent your business. But you're probably not going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> what you can do tomorrow is ask, what data do my customers want? What is the data, the information about my products and services that they want, that they need? And and you want to make sure that that data or that information is accurate, it's accessible, uh, and it's it's available. I mean, it's 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 there that they can find it, they can get to it. It's uh, it it, it is um, uh, they're not struggling to find it. It's not wrong or out of date. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's uh, you can be looking at your data right now that that and that can immediately impact the relationships that you have with your customers uh, and the, and that customer could also be an internal customer I'm not just talking external yeah, customers yeah. internal customers they need information also to make good decisions to do things well and the data is something you can check very quickly that has do you even have data being generated in some cases there's no information and we're just relying on gut feel. We're relying yeah. on tribal knowledge to hope that things are going well. No, let's 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 get the data. Let's get it in the hands of the people who need it. Whether those are internal or external, make sure it's right. Make sure it's accessible, uh, and that's something that you can do very quickly, and that'll have an immediate impact on digitally transforming your business. Because with that data, it's going to change the way people act. I love it. It it comes back to the data. It, right. it really comes back to the data, or at least starts with the with the data. Ray, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you uh, coming on Status Go and talking with us about this. Uh, I can't wait to read some of your future posts, because uh, I know you're gonna you're gonna continue to build on this and dive uh, dive deeper into it as well. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it to, today too. Thanks. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, be sure and visit intervision.com. We'll have show notes and, and in there we'll have links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Ray Sheen. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. 
You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.